See how much the Holy Ghost was trying to help us? No music, no singing, no hype. Just Holy Ghost. Yeah, not against music and singing. But this isn't a product of all of that. This is a product of your response to the Word and the Spirit. And God is responding to your response. God is responding to your response. Yes. Hallelujah. (laughs) You see, you're hungry. But He's hungrier for you than even we are for Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we receive you, Jesus. We receive what you have for us, Lord. By your grace, we open our spirits up to you, Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah. La Ramahaya, Ye La Ramahaya, La Ratatatabahaya. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Ye La Rotalaratatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatat
Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. My. <laughs> Woo, come on, let's go a little farther. Come on, it's not time to quit. The Lord's not ready to shift yet. He's not ready to transition yet. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Robo kosata tata babahai. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, just a little bit farther. Come on, let's go just a little bit farther. Come on, let's go just a little bit farther. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, obey God. This is what we do in church, see? God moves, and we're ready to move on. We've got to learn to let God decide when we transition to something else. We've got to learn that. We don't know what he's got planned. He is giving you things right now. He's giving you rest. He's giving you refreshing. He's not only refreshing your mind and your spirit. He's refreshing your body right now to enable you to receive without fatigue being a negative factor. If you'll just receive it, receive it, receive it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. He remembers our frame. He knows it's made out of the dust. That's why he supernaturally supplies what we cannot do for ourselves. When we need strength, he gives us strength. When we need rest, he gives us rest. When we need refreshing, he will give us refreshing. He will give us whatever we need so that we don't sit back and say, I can't go any farther, Lord. I'm tired. I'm weary. I can't go any farther, Lord. It's a lie. You can't go any farther, but you can go farther in Him. I can do all things through Jesus Christ, which strengtheneth me, that He is our source. He is our source. 
My, 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 my. Woo! Ha, 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 ha. Uke, uke, ha, sitie, ma, na, ma, ha, ta, ha, ya, ha. Woo! Ha, 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 ha. Ilaba, ha, 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 Itie, katie, kalorota, la, 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 in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated. Please put on the screen for me. The back projector is not on. Please put on the screen for me. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Now we're going to do something a little different. Uh, they, they changed the software out on the, the computer and there was a glitch and so I can only have King James on the screen. But I've got, uh, I got the Amplified here. I got a Weast Expanded Translation here. So you're gonna have to listen well. We're gonna do just something a little bit different here in the beginning. Don't judge where we're going by where we start. <laughs> I just just give you a hint. Don't judge where we're going by where we start. But it is so critical that you come to the understanding of who we are in the plan of God. Hallelujah. Until you're able to have that going out. Oh, you got it? Okay. Great. All right. I got to wait for the menu to get. Oh, there it is. If you want to follow along, we're going to be reading a little bit. This is, this is an, an introductory introduction. You want to go deep? The book of Ephesus, especially the first three chapters, is some of the deepest stuff in all of the Bible. It is extremely deep we'll, we'll, we'll hear it real quickly Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are in Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus Amplified says Paul an apostle special, mes- special messenger of, Jesus, of Christ Jesus the Messiah by the divine will Parentheses, the purpose and the choice of God. By the divine will, and Amplified says that means the purpose and choice of God. To the saints, parentheses, the consecrated set apart ones. At Ephesus, 
who are also faithful and loyal and steadfast in Christ. The Weiss Expanded Translation, that's W-U-E-S-T. Weiss Expanded Translation, that's the way I pronounce it, uh, reads it this way. Paul, an ambassador of Christ Jesus, through the will of God to the saints, the ones who are in Ephesus, namely believing ones in Christ Jesus. Verse 2. Grace be to you. I think we talked about this. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Or if you will allow me to do the mathematical thing, when you have equivalent terms, you can substitute them without doing damage to uh, the, the integrity of the word or the truth. Grace be to you from the infinite God and from the Lord, from the Logos made flesh. Okay? Amplified says, May grace, God's unmerited favor and spiritual peace, which means peace with God and harmony, unity, and undisturbedness, be yours from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. We says grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the infinite God who is the originator of Logos. Who hath blessed us, hath, that's past tense folks. There's so much in this. It's not that we're bad people and we don't try to love God. But there's so much in this we don't even have a clue on. And I'm not standing here putting myself up as having got it all down by any stretch of the imagination. I have spent so much time studying this. And it is the unsearchable riches of Christ. But I'm not giving up. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath, not will, not will, it's a done deal, hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Amplified. May blessing, praise, laudation, and eulogy be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual Parentheses, given by the Holy Spirit, blessing in the heavenly realm. We says it this way. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ be eulogized. That's not talking about he's dead. Eulogy just means you say positive and good things about somebody. Unfortunately, we usually wait till humans are dead to do that. You can't do that with God because he doesn't die. So if you're ever going to eulogize him, it's time to start. (laughs) May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ be eulogized, the one who conferred benefactions upon us in the sphere of every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. In the sphere of every spiritual blessing. In other words, (laughs) I'm going to put it in a completely different perspective. I heard it said one time. When we get to heaven and we walk the rows of God's spiritual warehouse, And see all the things that were ours and that he willingly would have given to us for our benefit and the kingdom's benefit that went unused and unclaimed. It's going to shock us. Now, in my opinion, that says exactly what this just said. Quoted this last night. Or came close to quoting it. I think I missed a few words here and there. I'm just going to say this. I never memorized scripture. 
Because if you spend enough time with Scripture, you learn it without purposely memorizing it. <laughs> I, I said, okay, let's go on. So, <laughs> I have not seen. Ear has not heard. Neither hath entered into the heart of man the things that God has, not will, not is, has, prepared for those that love him. But God has, 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 revealed them unto us by his spirit that dwelleth in us. What things know the spirit of a man, say the spirit of man is in him. And it's the spirit of God. That knows the deep things of God. So if the Spirit is revealing them, them to us. The Spirit knows the deep things of God. We have the ability to know that. Oh Jesus help me. Help me here Lord. Okay. I have a major. I, I, this is it, My name is Chester and I have a problem. I have a major struggle. With the followers of churchianity. I, it, it takes so much Holy Ghost. To be nice to those. Who are satisfied. With same old. Same old. Same old church. I'm sorry. And it's gotten worse the older I've gotten. I heard Brother Merle Ewing say about eating, you have to make every meal count because you've only got so many of them. Well, for me, my, it's, I'm a trial to my wife because I really could care less about food. Because once it passes my throat, all my stomach cares is that I'm full. And I don't eat my food. I inhale it so it doesn't stay in my mouth long enough to worry about how much it costs and what it is. Because I got things to go do and places to go and, you know. For the sake of my marriage, I have learned how to sit at the table because I'm a fast eater and she is the epitome of the slow eater. And when she spends two hours fixing a meal and I'm finished and done in ten minutes, it doesn't make a healthy marriage relationship. And my problem is this. I have a real problem. I try to be so careful not to go places that this is going to be a problem for, for me. Because if it's a problem for me, it's going to be a problem for them. Because I'll have the microphone. And i got better things to do than go places and offend people on purpose. I don't do that. 
But if, 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 if I'm, I'm someplace supposed to be ministering, and I'm hoping that by this time in my life, if you invite me to come, you got some idea what you're going to get. And if you don't want that, you're not inviting me. I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm just, I mean it. I mean it. If you don't, if you don't want this, don't invite me. Because don't invite me and then expect me to be something else. I spent a lifetime trying to let God make me whoever He wants me to be. And I'm not adjusting that for your sensibilities. So, when I go places and, and I sense people are punching the clock and, you know, you go places and, and people invite you to do something and, and, and I always ask this question because I'm submitted to authority. But first of all, it's a test. That's a hint. I won't elaborate on that. It's an innocent question, but it's a test. And you're telling me what I need to know. What, what time should I be done? And if you say, well, we normally get out. I say to myself, I don't know how I ended up here, but I will not be back unless something major changes. Because when you tell me when we normally get out, then I know I don't fit what you're expecting. I was in San Diego Sunday night a couple of weeks ago, and I said to the pastor, I said, what time do you normally get out? He said, oh, we we have people that come in and use our building for Sunday morning, but this is Sunday night, and there's there's no limit. I don't know if he meant to say what he said, but I heard what I wanted to hear. And in all fairness and full disclosure, I warned them when I started. Your watch is not broke, and neither am I. And uh, it was awesome. But I, I have a problem. I I can't understand how people can be made a partaker of the divine nature. And it's just, it's like a merit badge on my Boy Scout sash when I was 12. Just something to add to my sash that says I've been there, done that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just, I can't comprehend that. Verse 4, sorry. Jesus. Let me read verse 3 again quickly and then I'll go to 4. Got sidetracked there. Not really. Bless. <laughs> I said, to, I ate a sandwich before we rested a little bit at the house. And I said, you know, I was teaching along this afternoon. It was about, must have been probably 3.30. 
And I heard somebody say, I don't mean out loud. I said, I heard somebody say, would you quit wasting time with that story and get on with it and get finished? Because we need to get out of here. Kind of come from over here someplace. I heard it. I heard it when it was thought. I heard it. I'm not a mind reader. The Lord heard it. He let me hear it. And I said to the guys at the table, they don't get it. It took me a long time to learn the importance of these stories. Because when you're going heavy, heavy, and then one of these stories comes along, I don't care if you've heard it 50 million times, the Lord says, tell it, I'm telling it. What that's doing is doing two things. It's a, it's a personal illustration. Well, you all, it's always your stories. Yeah, and I'm usually the butt of the joke. You ever notice that? That's on purpose. Not laughing at others. I want you to laugh at me. So I'm usually the butt of the joke. But there's a point to the story. But the other reason for the story is to give you a chance to breathe because the next thing we get into is going to be heavier than what we just came out of. And I can't go from this to that without giving you a chance to recover. And I've learned that, the importance of that. So if we can tell a story and I can make a point as the Lord leads... And you chuckle a little bit and you get a little bit of a breather. Then you're able to take the next big bite. See, some of you think I'm stalling. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Verse 3, and we we'll get read 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Even amplified, even as, as in his love, he chose us, actually picked us out for himself as his own in Christ before the foundation of the world. How did he pick us out before we were in us? That just blew reincarnation to kingdom come. Because each of us is so uniquely a single creation of God once and for all time. Each of us is a single creation of God once and for all time to the point that the Lord knew each one of us who was ever going to be before the foundation of the world... I don't know if you realize it yet, but I believe in predestination. I also believe one saved, always saved. I believe the church is predestined to be saved. And I believe the church 
can't be lost. Well, what's the deal? The deal is who's in the church. That's the deal. The church is predestined to be saved. The church cannot be lost. The church is saved and will never be anything but saved. But you are only in the church by the exercise of your free will in believing and obeying the gospel. And the day you choose to live in disobedience, you choose to separate yourself from the church. I'm not weird. I'm not messed up. I'm not, I'm not strange. I'm, he know me before the foundation of the world and made me, he made me a place in his plan. I preached this in Chicago a couple of months ago, maybe four or five months ago now. Each one of us is a piece in God's big jigsaw puzzle. But the difference between us and the puzzle you got out of the box, we are not preformed to fit in our space in the puzzle. So God uses life. God uses plan to take all of the pieces off of us that keep us from fitting in our place in the puzzle. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Do you get it? The very things some of us are resenting. The very things some of us are resisting are the very things that are removing the pieces, the parts of us that won't allow us to fit in the place in God's puzzle, in God's plan that he has for each of us individually. I am my own unique shape. My space in his picture is its own unique shape for me to fit into that unique space. God has to use whatever he chooses to do in my life. To remove the things from me that would keep me from fitting in that place, that place in the puzzle. And when he does that, because I let him do it without fussing and complaining and griping and moaning, and he slides me into that place and I fit perfectly. He, I may be weird to you. I got all kind of a, it's a piece, right? There's no, they don't make square pieces. There's no round pieces and square pieces for the holes in this puzzle. Every shape is uniquely made. It may look weird to you, but it's me and it's my place and God is shaping me. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Jesus name. at peace being you. I will be 70 years old in February. And I have been in this all of my life. My mother was attending United Pentecostal Church when I was born. I was born on a Monday. She took me to church on Sunday. And you hear me this right now. Okay. In all those years... As many great men of God as I've been privileged to know and hear, there has never been one single preacher I've ever desired 
to be like. This old mantle stuff. I want so and so's mantle. I don't know about a mantle. I don't know old coat you can have. That's about as close as you're going to get to getting piece of this. Because I am uniquely created by God for the time, for the generation, for the space that He has made me to be. And He has uniquely shaped me with personality and experience and, 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 and information and wisdom and knowledge and, and all of that to uniquely create me to fit in my spot. And I got a question. Why would you want to be like this? And that's not a rhetorical question. You want to see the stars that it's cost to be like this? You, you don't want to be like this. You want to be who God, God's called you to be. You don't want to be me. You don't want to be saying, well, I got Brother Cole's mantle. I didn't know he had that many mantles. About 50 guys out there claim they've got it. Oh, I got Brother Barnes's mantle. Really? Really? And you know what? I've yet to find a person that Brother Barnes ever said, you're going to get my mantle when I pass. A whole bunch of them claiming the mantle. But I don't know any of them that he said to them, you're going to get my mantle. Why? He understood this. We don't need... T.W. Barnes is awesome of a man as he was and a blessing as he was to me personally and many, many others. We needed him while he was here. If God still wanted that ministry here, he'd still be alive. I don't care if he'd be 110. He'd still be alive. He'd still be here. But when God was through with that ministry and that, he moved on. He took that mantle to the grave with him. Because we confuse ministry with offices. Judas, Judas vacated an office and they filled an office. They didn't fill the ministry. They filled the office with a new ministry. And that ministry wasn't a duplication of Judas. Offices can become empty. And they get filled with a ministry. But ministries don't get empty. Because they are here for whatever designated period of God time God desires that specific person and his ministry to be here. Oh, what, what about the mantle that Elisha got? Yes. And what was that mantle? The confirmation that Elisha was moving into Elijah's office. I want a double portion of the spirit of Elijah. Okay, you got it. Get double the trouble. Double the trial. Double the persecution. Oh, Lord. 
Amplified again, verse 4. Even as in his love he chose us, actually picked us out for himself as his own in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, consecrated, and set apart him for him and blameless in his sight, even above a reproach before him in love. We says, even as he selected us out for himself in him before the foundation of the universe was laid, to be the whole, to be holy ones and without blemish before his searching, penetrating gaze in love. Verse five. Having predestinated us, not us individually, the church, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Amplified. For he foreordained us, destined us, planned in love for us to be adopted, revealed as his own children through Jesus Christ in accordance with the purpose of his will because it pleased him and was his kind of intent. Amplified. Excuse me, we having previously marked us out to be placed as adult sons through the intermediate agency of Jesus Christ for himself according to that which seemed good in his heart's desire. We don't know who we are. We don't have a clue. We see us through the lens of circumstances, problems, what seems to be anonymity. We see ourselves like that, you see. We don't even realize it. But we've been brainwashed to see ourselves with the world's eyes, not God's eyes. I said it and I'm not taking it back. We see ourselves individually and collectively through the world's eyes. Just a bunch of insignificant people on a, in a friend group. On the side, rather than seeing ourselves through God's eyes. Verse 6. To the praise of his, let me read verse 5, and this is one long sentence in case you're not aware. Verse 5. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, comma, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Verse 6 says, So that we might be to the praise and the commendation of his glorious grace, favor, and mercy, which he so freely bestowed on us in the beloved. We says, resulting in praise and the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed upon us in the beloved. And I'm saying it to you again. Say it to you again. Grace is not some passive license to excuse our struggles. It is exactly the opposite of that. Grace is the empowerment of God to do what we cannot do ourselves. When the scripture says, you're saved by grace and not of works, it doesn't mean I'm saved by the unmerited favor of God, which means I can't and don't do anything to be saved. Wrong. I am saved because I can't do anything to be saved myself. So the grace of God empowers me to do those things that are pleasing in His sight and that demonstrate faith in Him. Verse 7. 
In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will. I'm going to read that one from Amplified. Having made, made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself. Amplified. Making known to us the mystery, the secret of his will, of his plan and of his purpose. And it is this in accordance with his good pleasure of his merciful intention which he hath previously purposed and set forth in him. I got, I got to read nine and ten together. It's not going to make any sense. So let's read it again. Having made known, un, uh, go, let's go back to nine. Let me read it first. Having made known unto the, us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might, might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth, even in him. I'm going to keep reading verse 11. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of his, uh, of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his will. Next verse. That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Now I'm reading those verses in Amplified. Making known to us the mystery, the secret of his will, of his plan, of his purpose. And it is this, in accordance with his good pleasure, his merciful intention, which he had previously purposed and set forth in him, he planned for the maturity of the times and the climax of the ages to unify, unify all things and head them up and consummate them in Christ. Both things in heaven and things on the earth. Do you know what this means? He has made us a part of the day when he's bringing all this together, all of it together. He's taking all of this iniquity and purging it. All of this self-will and, and the will of human beings and purging it. Do you understand during the millennial reign of Christ, even with the devil bound to hell, that people will become sinners and die? With Christ himself sitting on the throne of David and ruling the world for that thousand years, even with Christ here, with, with the saints of God with glorified bodies as their pastors so they can't find fault with the preacher. With Christ himself sitting on the throne of David and ruling the world for a thousand years. And with, with, with the church being the glorified preachers to this world. People are still going to live in sin for a hundred years and be lost. And the sinner being a hundred years old. Why? Because every dispensation... God has put man at a different place. And he saved some out of that. And others became the evidence that proves he's a just God when he puts souls into a place so horrible. Tongue cannot describe it. Describe it. And that it is there. They are there. Literally. Forever. I was talking to couple of brethren Tuesday. And I said to them, I, I can't imagine. I don't really want to imagine it, but I can't help myself. I can't, I can't imagine the feeling that a soul has when it comes to after death in hell and realizes this is permanent and there's no way out of this. Forever. <laughs> it's bad enough if you're lost from a bar stool. 
But if you're lost from an apostolic church seat, where you came to church and played the game and went through the motions and did all that was expected of you and you thought that was enough to save you because you kept the rules and you wake up in hell and realize you were deceived and that this is forever. I can't, I can't, I just can't imagine it. No wonder the Bible says the place is going to be a place of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. You will weep and grieve and never get any relief from it. It's hopelessness personified. It's permanent. The flames, they're so minor down the scale of what a person's going to be tormented with, with hell. It's almost a sidelight. Because the torment going on inside of a person who knew and blew it is beyond anything you could feel in the flames on your flesh. And I wonder how many good people that would have made it except they were hanging out with people that weren't hungry and they were too, ter- too afraid and intimidated to stand up for their hunger and went along to get along and didn't realize they're, they're going, going along all right and they're going to get along and they're going to burn in hell. But hell is so big that you will be so alone. And even though there will be billions of people in hell along with all the fallen angels, it is such a huge space that you won't see another human or hear another voice forever and ever and ever. And the Bible calls it the second death. Because you will also be so far on the outer reaches of the expanse of God's creation that it's far enough out, you won't even be able to detect there really is God there. And we think, ooh, God help me. I just realized he is, okay? Say it your way. Here we go. And you think... We can sing good enough to save them. And that we can preach eloquently enough to save them. And those are our best efforts. To sing better. And preach better. And fix our building up a little more. Because somehow that's going to matter to a soul that's burning in hell forever. Where did we get those ideas from? Because we didn't get them out of the Bible. I said we didn't get them out of the Bible. But my God, the amount of effort we put in to sing better, preach better, be more eloquent. The money we spend and the time we spend trying to make our building better. Thinking somehow that any one of those three things will affect the eternal destiny of a soul. We ain't come here to learn how to play patty cake with the devil. 
I'm not going to spend a lot of time explaining this. I know this is a spiritual warfare seminar. But the devil is the least of our trouble. He's the least challenge we've got. The greatest obstacle to revival is this right here. And all that it wants to be placated and pampered and petted and excused and entertained. What would you have to see? This weirdo in the desert? I say unto you, he's the greatest prophet born a woman. But he didn't stop with that statement. But he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. The greatest prophet born a woman. But he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. He that is least is greater than John the Baptist. This 12-year-old. Oh, God have mercy. There's two Chester Wrights in the world. This 12-year-old right here. Okay. He's got pretty exceptional faith and all that. But you hear me right now. Lucifer himself has to cow down to him speaking the name of Jesus into that devil's face. He that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. He that is least. He's least. Well, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God cometh up with observation because the kingdom of God is within you. And the kingdom of God is not in word, but it's in power. And the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I'm a part of the kingdom. And the kingdom is a part of me. And I'm a conduit for the kingdom. And I'm a vessel and instrument for the kingdom. And it doesn't matter how I see myself or anybody else sees me. He that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than the greatest prophet born a woman. And this also is not qualified. But for all of us, greater is he that's within me than he that's in the world. He didn't say they that are in the world. He said he. That's got to be focused on one being. If he that's in me is greater than the greatest of the adversary. Oh. This really happened. Unfortunately. Many years ago. And it was one of the things that made me decide that if I ever pastored, we would never have a testimony service where people could get up and say what I had no idea they were going to about to say. <laughs> one dear old sister got up and said, the devil has been after me all week. Bless his holy name. <laughs> I know what she thinks she said, but I also know what my ears heard. And I'm afraid she really did confess what she believed. 
we were a really young church. We really, really were young. And there was a family that we met in our evangelistic travels, and we became pretty good friends with him. I'd been in the Navy. He was in the Navy. And, and they seemed like nice people. And we came to Annapolis, and I invited them to come preach one of our very first revivals. And I wondered what I got into the moment he preached the first time. He was like a recording. He got up, opened his Bible, and he pushed the button, play, and went 90 miles an hour. You couldn't hardly understand him. He talked so fast. And then he stopped. That was it. You didn't feel anything. Nothing happened. I went, oh, God. These people are our friends. What am I going to do now? Well, we didn't have service again until Thursday night, and he did that again. Saturday, we're out on visitation, him and me. We knock on this door, family had visited our church, and when, when we were invited in, their oldest teenage daughter was sitting at the table playing with a Ouija board. Well, a Ouija board was created here in Maryland. And it's not a game. So I was wanting to make the point to this lady, this young lady, to the family. Because, you know, this is heathen territory and there's all darkness and they didn't, they didn't know anything about this. And so I said, let me ask you a few questions. I said, who is God? And the board spelled out, I'm God. I said, Ask him who he is. He spelled out D-E-M-O-N. I am God. And I said, I curse you in Jesus' name. He spelled back D-A-M-N, Jesus. And I rebuked him again. And he spelled out, and I hate you. And I made the mistake of saying, what about him? And the board spelled out, he is for me. It was really quiet. And he's older than me, you know. He's older and I'm younger and whatever. He got really quiet. I said, well, uh, if you all get a chance to come to church tonight or tomorrow, glad to have you. <laughs> and we excused ourselves. And he and I never brought it up. But trust me, I found a very good reason why to shut that revival down after the following night. Now, if it had been me, even if somebody said, Me stinkest thou protestest too much, I would have been yelling and screaming in high heaven. I'd have been grabbing that board and break it in pieces and said, I'll give you the money back. But this thing and I aren't going to continue here. This is, But silence? You're not going to say anything? You're not going to defend yourself against this? You, it's, he didn't question any of the answers that were given before. Now, the girl is pale by the, before it gets to that point. She's terrified. She didn't know what she was playing with. So, 
We, we don't know what we're doing here. We don't know what this is about. We don't know, you know. Oh, the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil. Oh, Jesus. Let me get back to the scripture before I get in worse trouble than I'm in. In him we also have, this is verse 11, in him we also, from the Amplified, in him we also have made, have made God's heritage portion. In him we also were made God's heritage or portion. We were God's heritage. We were made God's portion. And we obtained an inheritance. For we have been, we had been ordained, chosen, appointed beforehand in accordance with his purpose, who hath, who works out everything in agreement with the counsel of, in, in design of his own will. So that we who first hoped in Christ, who first put our confidence in him, have been destined and appointed to live for the praise of his glory. Does this sound like religion to you? Weasts. Verse 9, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to that which seemed good to him, which good thing he purposed in himself with respect to an administration of the completion of the epochs of time to bring back again to their original state all things in Christ, the things in the heavens and the things on the earth in him, in whom also we were made an inheritance, having been previously marked out according to the purpose of the one who operates all things according to the counsel of his will, with a view to our being to the praise of his glory who had previously placed our hope in the Christ. For time's sake, I'm going to read 13 and we'll go from there for a little bit. Thank you. In whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also after that you believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. Stop there just a minute. No, no, go back. To, yeah, just stay there just a minute. I wonder what you would think if you knew that the Greek word translated earnest of our inheritance in modern Greek is engagement ring. Hallelujah, Selah. Think about that. I'll read verse 13 again. In whom you also trust. Ooh, that came back a little bit, didn't it? My, your tradition is strong tonight. Because you sure have no Bible for that. I hope those of you that are married and checked into a hotel didn't identify yourself as part of this church if you don't have anything on signifying you're married. Because that, those people in that hotel are sure that you're shacking up. This ain't the Bible belt. So you just let your good be evil spoken of. One of these days I'm finally going to have the guts to do it. I come to your place, you don't believe in rings, I'm taking mine off. You come here, you're putting one on, you're not coming. I'm going to respect yours. You respect this one. We hadn't been in town very long. Well, we'd been here a little while. My wife gets pregnant. We'd been married a couple of years, okay. She gets pregnant. She goes to her first doctor's appointment. We'd been evangelizing. She took her ring off, left it off. She just put it back on. She goes to the doctor's office. First thing they asked her was, Alice, do you know who the father is? That's where we live. 
It's really that way in your town too. You just don't want to accept that. Alice, you know where the father, she came home and told me that. I said, you go in there right now, you get that box out and put that ring on. We're not letting our good be evil spoken of ever again. Oh, Jesus. Oh, there's some folks on the internet right now that are just cooking. You know the good thing about that? I can't see your face. You want to debate it? Let's have at it. I wouldn't say this stuff in your pulpit, not your pulpit. You're in our building. Not going to disrespect you in your building. You're in our building. Hallelujah. You know, it's not too late to get a reservation out here in the morning. In whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you were, you believed, you were sealed with that, with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. Huh. I mean, did you, did you get that? That's Acts 2.38. In theological terms to a bunch of people already saved. Give you the deeper meaning behind it. Acts 2.38. Every bit of it's right there. In verses 13 and 14. But what is it? Peter says again. We're made partakers of the divine nature. Woo! Praise God. We're made partakers of the divine nature. And what is that divine nature? It is the down payment. On my hereafter. It is the down payment on mine hereafter. It's the down payment. It's my ticket in the door. You know what happens to people who try to get in without the ticket? King through a wedding feast came in to see the guest and saw a guy there without a wedding garment on. Said, friend, how did you get in without a wedding garment? And what I've read, you may have read something different from what I've read, that was referring to the custom that in order to make all guests who were not equal feel equal, the host would provide a wedding garment at the door for everybody that was invited. So therefore, all you had to do to get the wedding garment was to come through the door. And so when the king came in to see the guests, and there was a man there without a wedding garment on, the king knew he hadn't been baptized right. For, because Galatians 3.27 says that as many as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And Christ is the door. And if you don't believe water baptism is important, that's how you get the wedding garden. It is to come through the door of water baptism into Christ. Christ. 
Because spirit baptism puts Christ in the me. Water baptism puts me in the Christ. And if I come through the door, I get the wedding garment. And if I try to be a part of the wedding feast without the wedding garment, it is testimony to one and all, I didn't come through the door. And the Bible says he that doesn't come through the door is the same as a thief and a robber. There were a few computers clicked off on that one. And I'm not being sarcastic. It's what the book says. Doesn't make us better than anybody. Doesn't make us more holy than anybody. It doesn't. He's the one holy. He's the one better. But he says what he says. He meant what he said. All right. I'm reading verse 15 again. Or starting with 15. I know I'm taking a little time here, but. No, let me rephrase that. I know the Lord has taken a little time here. And he just rebuked me for starting to apologize for him. I wish you knew me better. You would know I don't just say stuff like that. Verse 15. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all saints. Next verse. Cease not... To give thanks for you, making mention you in my prayers. Okay, I'm going to stop with verse 15 and 16. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in Lord Jesus and your love toward all saints, the people of God, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. (laughs) Verse 15 and weeks. On account of this, I also, having heard of the faith... In the Lord Jesus Christ, which is among you, and of your love to all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you, as I constantly make mention of you in my prayers. Ephesians contains two prayers that Paul specifically prayed for the church. If they had this, if Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, had not become accepted as divinely inspired, and therefore adopted into the canon of the scripture then we would have to say these prayers that Paul prayed were for the church at at Ephesus but when Peter and others recognized that these letters were not this letter was not just written to the church at Ephesus but for all of the church and therefore if not just to all of the church then but to all of the church for as long as the church is on the earth So I am reading a prayer that the Apostle Paul specifically prayed for you. Hallelujah. Verse 17. That the Lord Jesus, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ... Wait, wait. God has a God? Or does the Logos have an infinite God? Just think about that. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father... Oh, 
The Father is the Lord Jesus Christ's God. Woo! That'll preach a while. If you weren't here last night, you'd have to listen to it. I don't have time to go through it again. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you. This is about to happen in this service. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Next verse. The eyes, this is what it means to receive the spirit of revelation and knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Why? That, for this cause, for this purpose, ye may know. What is it he wants us to know? Three things. First, what is the hope of his calling? His calling of us. Second, and listen to it carefully. What the riches of the glory of His inheritance, not our inheritance. His inheritance in the saints. What is the riches of the glory of what He inherits from us? Next verse. Number three thing to know. And what is the exceeding, the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, next verse, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, next, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to Come, this just covered all of eternity. And Paul prayed that God would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might know what's the hope of his calling is, what's the riches of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe. Mountains, seas dividing, a whole valley of dry bones coming back together, receiving new, new flesh and bones and, and, and life coming back into them. Not, nothing. Calming a storm at sea, multiplying loaves and fishes. No big deal for God. No big deal for God. I mean this in the kindest way I possibly know how to say it. But we don't have a clue. Oh, Brother Wright, I do. No, no, no. No, no. That's why I'm digging and clawing and reaching and spending every available moment just digging into this. Because... You may or may not want it, 
but I'm going to have it. I've come too far to not get this. That's not an ego statement. That's a hunger statement. That's not an ego statement. That's a hunger statement. You say, I'm not really sure what you're talking about, brother, right? I, I, I don't find fault with that. The, because the problem is, this is so far deeper than we're used to going because of our culture. You can't go this deep in a 30-minute message under time constraints. Heard a guy say, you know, my pastor told me what can't be said by three points and a couple of illustrations in 30 minutes ain't worth being said. I'm so glad I wasn't raised under him because he don't have anything worth being said. I'd like to see that in the book. That's, that's culture talking. That's not Bible talking. That's not Holy Ghost talking. You can be confined to the parameters of culture because of your fear of displeasing man if you want. But that's never been the parameter that I decide how far I'm going by. And this ain't about me and I'm, not, I'm just trying to make a point. I'm reading that starting with verse 17 from the Amplified. I know this is kind of laborious, but I'm enjoying it. You'll have to make your own decision. For I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation, of insight in the mysteries and secrets, in the deep and intimate knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you and how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints, his set-apart ones. And so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Notice it's not just a resurrection. People were resurrected but Christ is the only one that was resurrected and exalted to a throne in heaven. Do you understand Oh, God, do you understand until that moment there was no human in that area of heaven ever? Because all saved humans are in paradise, the resting place of the righteous dead. So until this moment, even glorified flesh had never entered into the throne room of God. But the exceeding greatness of his power such, he not only pulled him out of the grave, but he raised him up all the way to the 
focal point of the heavens, God's throne room, the heaven of heavens, and set him on the throne. Why? (laughs) Because us finite humans are going to get there someday. And that's the only visible part of God we will see even as eternal beings. Because the infinite God cannot be seen. The scripture says of Jesus Christ, he dwells in a light that no man can approach unto. Not while he was on earth, but now, right now. He dwells in a light that no man can approach approach unto. Back in the 80s, we had a man in our church named John. He and his wife had been in the church a couple of years. They were really sweet people and very beloved in our church. And uh, John had a heart condition. And uh, he, he needed a heart transplant or he was going to die. And so... We prayed, and God worked miracle after miracle. They didn't have insurance, and miraculously, even with his income, he was able to get on uh, public assistance for his medical payments. I mean, a heart transplant at Johns Hopkins isn't pennies. And then, of course, he was way down the list of a heart transplant, but this is a child of God. Not that he's better than anybody else, but he's a child of God. So we prayed, and miraculously, God moved him up the list. And we all went to John Hopkins the night before the surgery. There's about 30 of us. They were, very, they were very beloved people. We all went up there, and, and everybody got to visit him, and my wife and I were the next to the last, and we were in there with him. We prayed, and he was alert. He was fine. He wasn't had to have any problems whatsoever. Smiling, laughing with us. We prayed, blessed him. So we'll see you tomorrow. We left. His wife, his wife went in to see him. She was last. And after she spent some time with him, she came back in the waiting room, and we were collecting our stuff. We were all going home so that we could get some rest and come back in the morning for the heart transplant. And we're standing there just saying bye. The nurse comes in the room. And she says, we've lost him. And my mind could not accept what she was saying to the point that my first thought was, how could you let a heart transplant patient wander the halls to where you can't find him? I mean that. That's how totally, totally impossible that my mind didn't even hear what she said as she intended it. So I said, what do you mean you lost him? She looked at me like I was crazy. He just died. That's not possible. After all these miracles, after all God did, and he is just a few hours from getting the new heart where he can live. I went home. I didn't know what to say. The funeral was planned for 
three days away, if I remember correctly. The night before the night before the funeral. I'm sleeping. And in this, I, I, Brother Barnes would call it a night vision. I, I, I believe I was asleep, but it was the most vivid thing I've ever, ever experienced. I, I didn't even realize I was seeing anything until all of a sudden, in this darkness I was in, I saw an opening ahead of me. That was kind of shocking. And I walked through the opening into the most beautiful place I'd ever seen in my life. You, you talk about dreaming in color. They were the most vivid colors I've ever seen ever in my whole life. But the most amazing thing was I stepped out into an atmosphere of the most perfect peace imaginable. And I'm, I'm just standing there. And I'm aware there are beings close by. I never saw a shape. But I knew there were beings by me. But I'm, I'm looking at this. Calling it a park is just such an under. It was the most beautiful place. No botanical gardens I've ever been in. No park or gardens I've ever seen in my life even remotely came close to it. It was the most beautiful place with the most vivid colors. But the peace is what made it so absolutely amazing. And all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I saw a figure standing right over here. And I turned and looked. It was my eldest son, David. And he was standing, just standing still, doing this. And he didn't acknowledge me, didn't recognize me. I knew who he was, but I didn't speak to him. I just looked where he was looking. And when I looked up, I saw this outline of a man with the most brilliant light behind it, such that I couldn't see any details of the form or the face or anything because the light was so bright, it completely hid the person. And I then knew where the peace was coming from because it was just emanating, just, just pouring down from him, just... It was not something that was moving. It just it just was because he was there. And it, it was so intense in the a, in a most positive way. And I'm thinking, oh, my, I've made it, and it's beyond anything I've ever imagined it to be. And I just slowly, without even really realizing what I was doing, I just kind of kept looking at him and just kind of sidestepped over until I was... Standing right by David. I never said anything to him. He didn't say anything to me. We just stood there. I never wanted to leave. That was the most awesome thing. I just felt that. Just felt it. It was so amazing. All of a sudden this being, I didn't see him, but I felt him walk up here. And he didn't speak to me, but in my mind, he said, it's time for you to go back. And I said, I don't want to go back. He said, you've got to go back. You're not finished yet. And I started to move away. And David was still standing there. And I said, in my mind, I said to him, what about David? 
And this is what he said to me. He's been given a choice to stay or go. And he's chosen to stay. And the most amazing thing about that is, my son is dead. He's in a different place. He's not coming back with me. And I was so thrilled for him that I couldn't even begin to grieve over the fact that I would have some period of time that I wouldn't be with him. I was, I was thrilled for him. I didn't resent the fact I couldn't stay, but I was happy for him that he was allowed to stay because I would have stayed if I'd have been given the chance. I love my wife. I love what God's called me to do. I love being a part of what he's doing. But if he was willing for me to be done, I'm finished. All of that other will have to be his problem because I'm out of here. So, I begin, I, I'm still looking up and I begin to move with this being over here. He's just kind of leading me this direction. I don't even look where I'm going. And I still can see David out of the corner of his, by my eye. I'm still looking up here. And he says, you know, I, and, and, I'm, and I'm thinking, oh, God, this is so awesome. It's, I'm so thankful for David. I, you know, I'm so glad he can stay. And finally, I realized I was back to the opening of that. That uh, I don't know what it was. It was just an opening, a portal. And when I stepped back through it, all of this disconnected from me. And I woke up in bed. And the dream was so real. It's still as real to me this moment as it was the night I dreamed it. The feeling, the colors, the, the peace, the whole thing. But now I'm awake. And I'm thinking, God, David's going to die. How am I going to tell my wife that David's going to die? And then the Lord spoke to me. He said, this isn't about David. I use David because you love him so much. So that you could know how happy you are for him if he would have been able to stay. But this message is about John. I gave him a choice. He chose to stay. I knew at that moment that was my funeral message. I preached that at the funeral. But before then, I met with his wife and I told her the story. She said, that's what he meant. I said, what? She said, when I... When I came in the room to say, say goodbye, you know, see you tomorrow, she, he said to me, who are those two men with you? And she said, I turned, I didn't say anything. She said, there's nobody else in this room with me. He said, oh yes, there is. There's two men standing right at the end of this bed. She said, well, I don't, John, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't see anybody. She, that's, she said, that's what he meant. Exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think.
That's one side. I'm going to tell you a story. Is that okay? You sure? Brother, Brother Jones, that's okay. I'm probably not going to get the details right, so forgive me. It's the best I can remember. Brother Brian Jones was a midship in the academy, and it was 82, wasn't it? Or 83, when you first came. Okay, so it would have been 83 when you first came. Okay. He came to church. and I won't go into all the story, but he got told to go baptized. And he won a bunch of people, a lot of guys. That There's like four or five guys that are in the ministry in the United Pentecostal Church today. It was all saved during that period of time. Well, Ryan had a couple of things he was dealing with. And that was back before I really fully understood shame and how to help it. So he backslid. And without going into all the gory details, you were out of church how many years? 10, 12, 15? About that? 10? Okay. And I'm praying, God, whatever you got to do. Others are praying. Because the hand of God's on his life, see. And he's, he's backslid. And you were in New Orleans, right? In the hotel room in New Orleans. He had his wife. We're in the hotel room in New Orleans. Not going to church. Not a part of the church. Never stop believing the truth. Like I said today, a lot of people give up on themselves before. They don't backslide because they give up on God. They give up on themselves. So he's in the bed in the middle of the night in New Orleans and has a dream, a vivid dream of hell and him in it. And it was so real that when he woke up, he rolled out of bed, got on the floor, repented and prayed back through right in that hotel room all by himself. Now he's about, been for several years now the pastor of one of our churches in Ann Arbor. But you see, it was a dream of heaven. It was a dream of hell. Both very, very vivid. I guarantee you can still see that dream in your mind, can't you? Yes, sir. No, God doesn't do that for everybody. That's not the issue. The issue is... If he does it for me, he's done it for you. Because when I share it, it's just as much yours as his mine. The point being, all of this is pre-planned by God ahead of time. We're a part of the divine plan, the divine purpose. We're a part of all that. We've got to get that. One more time. Come on, come on. Oh. You don't want to move. <laughs> so let's just take you out of there and then bring you back. Okay, there you are. <laughs> Hallelujah. So now you're going to take forever to load, right? Yeah. Okay. One more time. We're going someplace here in a minute, but you, you in Jesus' name, you got to get this. For I always pray to God, our 
of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you the spirit of wisdom and revelation of insight into mysteries and secrets and the deep and intimate knowledge of him by having, by having the eyes of your heart flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you and how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints he set apart once. And so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe as demonstrated in the work of his mighty power, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principal, all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named above every, above every title that can be conferred not only in this age and in this world but also in the age and the world which are to come and he has put all things under his feet and appointed him the, the universal and supreme head of the church a headship exercised throughout the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all for in that body lives the full measure of him who makes everything complete who fills everything everywhere with himself for in that body lives the full measure of him who makes everything complete and who fills everything everywhere with himself who for in that body lives the full measure of him who makes everything complete and who fills everything everywhere with himself We are built together a habitation of God through the Spirit. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Individually, collectively. Every one of us is a temple of the Holy Ghost. Collectively, we're a habitation of God through the Spirit. And we're filled with Him that fills up everything. Now in him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think, according to the power that is in us, that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church. The word glory in the Bible in many, many places is best translated self-manifestation and self-revelation. So when the Bible says, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think, According to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be self-manifestation and self-revelation in and through the church. (laughs) The only way the world is ever going to know Jesus is if he's able to manifest and reveal himself through you. Through me. Through us individually. Through us collectively. Are you getting it? Are you getting it? This is so far beyond a couple of songs, new or old. And, and some announcements and, and a choir song and, and the best message that's ever been preached from a pulpit in, by anybody anywhere and, 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 and some dancing and some shouting and it's so far beyond all that. It's so far beyond all that. Jesus, set yourself free. From the walls we have imprisoned you in that we've called a church. He manifests himself in the church 
not in the building we call a church. Because wherever you are, any time of the day or night, Christ is willing and able to manifest himself to the people that he brings across your path. Wherever you are, because 24-7, wherever you are individually and collectively, that's where the church is. In Jesus' name, Father, deliver yourself from the imprisonment that religious tradition has bound you to inside the prison of four walls of a building we call church. Deliver yourself from the ritual of our services that we are trying to bind you in. Deliver yourself, Father. Deliver yourself. Here it comes. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I loose upon you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I loose the light of the glorious gospel of of Jesus Christ to shine in your hearts, to give you knowledge and understanding, my God, to give you knowledge and understanding in the hope of your calling, in his inheritance in you, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power in you It wants to work through you. Receive it! not repeating it it just happened receive it but i don't feel anything this ain't about feeling this is about receiving this is about faith this is about believing i'm not paul but i am his brother and if he prayed it i can pray it if he prayed it and I prayed it, you can pray it. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> Receive that. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it in Jesus' name. Receive it. Don't settle for darkness. Don't settle for religious tradition. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. My God. My God. 
in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. You need to say it. I receive it in Jesus' name. I claim it in Jesus' name. Teach me to walk in it, Father. Teach me to walk in it. Teach me to yield to it. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. This isn't about tonight. This is a starting point. This isn't the ending point. You will grow in this every day that you yield to it. You will walk more and more in it every day you allow it. This is not something for this moment. This is for something for the rest of your life. Receive it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. This isn't just for preachers. If you got the same Holy Ghost I got. The Father's no respecter of persons. There's not one Holy Ghost for preachers and a different Holy Ghost for, for saints. There's one Holy Ghost. There's different giftings, but there's one Holy Ghost. And Paul didn't pray for preachers. He prayed for the church. Receive it. Receive it.
in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. We're not done with this, but this is what the Holy Ghost wants us to do right now. You just be seated for a moment. Here's, here's what you got to get. Almost every revelation I have received, I didn't receive with the, by finding it myself. I received it as God speaking to my spirit while I was in prayer and almost always while I was praying in the spirit. Then I would go and study what he gave me. But the, the seed of it, the direction of it came in the spirit. It wasn't intellectually birthed. It wasn't even intellectually comprehended. It was received. And if you want to walk in the Spirit, then you've got to walk in the Spirit. And you've got to learn to pray in the Spirit. And I know most of you pray in the Spirit. I understand that. You just humor me and Jesus. Because we're going to talk about this. Because it's not a demonstration, it's an impartation that's going to take place as we work through this. Ephesians six eighteen says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. This is one of, this is the, the, the second of three offensive weapons. We'll talk more about the weapon and all that tomorrow, more than likely. But listen to what it says. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. The amplified says, praying at all times on every occasion and every season in the spirit with all manner of prayer and entreaty to that and to that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance interceding in behalf of all the saints, God's consecrated people. The Holy Bible, easy to read version. There is such a thing. Pray in the Spirit at all times. Pray with all kinds of prayers and ask for everything you need. To do this, you must be always ready. Never give up. Always pray for all of God's people. And then the Bible in basic English says, with all prayers and deep desires, making requests at all times in the Spirit, and keeping watch with strong purpose in prayer for all the saints. Today's New International Version says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Finally, the New International Reader's Version says, At all times pray by the power of the Spirit. Pray all kinds of prayers. Be watchful so that you can pray. Always keep on praying for all of God's people. How do we pray all of these different kinds of prayers? John 7, 37, 38. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me a drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. The complete Jewish Bible of verse 38 says, Whoever puts his trust in me, as the scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from his inmost being. The word flow there. In the Greek is spelled in the English equivalent letters E-R-E-O, which is the strengthened form of the Greek verb R-H-E-O, which is the root word for rhema, R-H-E-M-A, which is almost always used in reference to supernatural utterance. So when it's talking about flow, it's talking about the flow of supernatural words out of our innermost being. 
And I want you to notice what the scripture says again. He that, he, singular, he that believeth on me, as the scripture had said, out of his singular belly shall flow rivers, plural, of living water. In other words, if I allow the spirit to pray through me, he will pray all kinds of prayers in the spirit as Ephesians 6.18 has instructed. You've got to be a conduit for the Lord to pray through you. And if you will live in the Spirit by praying in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit by praying in the Spirit, what was just imparted to you by the Holy Ghost will operate in you and begin to speak in your hearts and minds and illuminating things and giving you understanding you did not have before. If you leave this place and do not move by the grace of God into a deeper, more frequent flow of the Spirit through your life in prayer, what you've just received will stop working. He will not operate this through you intellectually. It will not happen. It only operates in the spirit. Well, brother, I, you know, I just, I just don't understand the importance of speaking in tongues because. I don't know what I'm saying. First huh. Corinthians fourteen two. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, including the one who is the mouth, but unto God. For no man understandeth him. No man. Howbeit in the spirit, King James says he speaketh mysteries, which is secrets of his heart, that he's speaking directly to God. And the problem we don't understand is a lot of a lot of us have done this, but we don't understand what we're doing. And so we haven't we haven't bothered to try to understand or grasp the differences. And there are many people in this room that have heard me teach this, and you're gonna to get to hear it again. Because this is what the Holy Ghost wants right now. Why? Because he is so desperate for you to leave this place and walk in his spirit and live in his spirit. And you cannot do that. Continuing to pray your mostly religious prayers. And I'm not re-preaching or re-teaching last night's lesson. But this is part two in case you hadn't figured it out yet. It's the same set of notes. Not that I'm using much of it. But it's the same set. Why? God so desperately wants you to get this. I've told this story countless times. I don't even remember how many times. But I received the Holy Ghost at age 12 and it was not a pleasant experience. I'd been going to the altar since I was nine and going through the typical Pentecostal stuff. 
Jesus, 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 Jesus. Until I didn't say that plainly and finally, hallelujah, 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 where I, I got tongue-tied or something and I couldn't say hallelujah care anymore. And then finally my jaw would go, and then finally, finally somehow something would happen. I guess I'd trip over myself and finally let my tongue go and I'd start speaking in tongues. And, and now I, I don't know how it started and, I, and I'm afraid it won't stop. I'm honest. Exactly what went through in my mind. I, I had to do it because I, I believe that was necessary for salvation. But not that speaking in tongues, but receiving the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues is the biblical ec- initial external evidence. I'm not going to take the time to elaborate on that. It's just what I believe. What I believe the Bible teaches. So I had to do it. There was no other choice. But I avoided it as much as possible because it was excruciatingly painful and disappointing. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. I didn't look forward to it. I only did it when I was e- when I was either afraid I wasn't saved and I wanted to just make sure I still had the Holy Ghost. And that was enough of fear to put me through it again. Jesus, 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 Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. And finally talking in tongues. And it wasn't joy I felt. It was relief. Oh, well, it's still there. Is that too honest for some of you? Well, the problem is that went on 10 years. 10 years. I get the Holy Ghost on Sunday after my 12th birthday. And all the way through, I'm 22 years old. I'm out of the Naval Academy. I'm in flight training. And when I got to Pensacola, I went to Brother Welch and said, Brother Welch, I believe I'm called to preach. And there's a little home missions work over by the base. And I don't want to be offensive to you. I love you. You've always been kind to me. And and this is technically, I guess, my home church because my mother was going here when I was born. But I feel to go over there and help. I said, oh, brother, don't worry about it. I, I'm happy for you to go help. So I went over there. With my starched uniform and starched spirit. Because it was excruciating for me to raise my hands in public. And had been all of my life. Well, this man... He'd been, he had an eighth grade education. He'd been a bar, a bouncer in the bars of Pensacola. He was the meanest guy around. Wherever he was the bouncer, they had no trouble because he'd just soon hit you in the forehead with a hammer as look at you. And this is absolutely the truth. He was a mean man when he got saved. And he only had been saved five years when I started going to his church. But he preached something I'd never heard in all my life. He preached that I was supposed to speak in tongues every day. He said, I don't leave my house without speaking in tongues in the morning. And honestly, I've said, I've told this. I'm not trying to be funny. It went through my mind. Well, I'd have to get up at three o'clock in the morning. Cause it'll take, it takes me two or three hours to speak in tongues. Seriously. I mean, I mean, this was no easy prayer. I mean, it's like this, like two or three hours, all this. Jesus, 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 There's no biblical basis to it whatsoever. 
But myself and many others were excruciatingly put through that. And I didn't like speaking in tongues. I didn't want to speak in tongues. And the preacher, because I'd been in all these different churches in my life, I understood, never questioned it. Wherever you are, whatever that man believes, that's what you believe while he's there. Whatever he says you're supposed to do, that's what you do while he's there. Because that's the pastor. You submit to the pastor. Well, I got to learn how to change. I went from A to Z. Vanilla to Neapolitan. One flavor or three flavors. It didn't matter. All at the same time. It was just, it all changed or whatever. So the man says, I got to speak in tongues every day. That, you know what that meant? I got to speak in tongues every day. And I don't know what I got to do to do that. But that's what the pastor says. That's what I'm going to do. So I started getting up and going to church early on my way to ground school, starting the flight training. And I'd go and pray an hour or two at least every morning. During lunch, I'd go over to the chapel and pray and wouldn't eat. And then I came back by the church for two, three, four hours, whatever it was. Because the man said I had to speak in tongues every day. And something's got to change because I can't continue to live like this. So I prayed. It took like four or five days before I could begin... I could speak in tongues without having to start with just, 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 And the first couple of times it started, without me doing that, I'm going, am I being deceived? Is this real? I'm speaking in tongues without going, just, 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 just. I'm being as honest with you as I know how to be. And the more I prayed, and the more I prayed in tongues, the easier it got. And it was about the middle of the second week. And, uh, I mean, it got where I could walk in the building. And in just a few moments of focusing on the Lord, I'd feel that move, and I'd let it go. And then it got so easy. I'm, I'm listening to it. Hard, I'm listening. It's just going, I'm listening to it. And I hear this voice says, you're just making that up. And I'm going, oh God, am I making this up? And I'm thinking, I'm listening to myself talking tongues, and I'm thinking, oh, this, am I making this up? Oh God, help me, don't let me be deceived, oh God. And this sweet voice says, ask him how you could be making it up when you're just listening to it. The sun came up. The clouds went away. Literally, the sun came up, the clouds went away because I knew I'd heard traveled enough. I knew what different languages sounded like. And this sounded just like a language. And there were too many varied syllables and they weren't slurred or all messed up together. They were enunciated clearly. And there was, there was a pattern to them and a rhythm to it. There was no way I was making that up because your brain can't make up something that doesn't understand like that. Now, if I want to go la, 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 la. Or seek him side, pass him on by. You know, I can make that up. But I couldn't make that up. After It was a little over two weeks. And 
my dad was stationed in Pensacola at the time, and I went by his house. And uh, he was sinner at the time and uh, had never had the Holy Ghost at that point. And I knocked on his door, and he comes to the door, and he doesn't move out of the door and doesn't invite me in. And I'm standing on the steps, and he's got this look on his face. And I said, Dad? He said, what's happened to you? I'm going, boy, I've never seen him act like this. This is strange. I said, what do you mean? He said, something has happened to you. What's happened to you? I said, Dad, I, he was beginning to worry me. He was so assertive with it. And that was, he was always kind of gentle in that kind of situation. I said, Dad, what, what do you mean? Something has happened to you. Tell me what's happened. What do you mean? He said, there's a glow on your face that has never, ever been there before. What has happened to you? And my mind's blank at that point. I mean, I'm so in a state of shock over the way he's acting. And I, I said, I, I don't, I don't know. I can't, I can't think. And then all of a sudden I realized what I'd been doing for two weeks. I said, well, the only thing I know is, I, I don't know if you're aware of this or understand this, but I, I never have been able to speak in tongues very easily. And, and, and I've been going to church for two weeks now. And now I can, I can speak in tongues really easily. And he kind of looked at me and he goes, well, I, I don't know if that's it, but whatever you're doing, don't stop. Because I've never seen you like this before. And <laughs> we had a man who was saved in our church and got involved. And I'm not going to say what, how he got involved, but he wasn't an evangelist. and He was out helping churches. And if you have an idea what I'm talking about, so be it. He'd been out there working with churches for a while, preachers, and he'd come home occasionally. And he said to me, you know what they say about you? No. I don't know what they say about me. I'm not all sure I care what they say about me, but okay, what do they say about me? You talk in tongues too much. He said, in fact, this church talks in tongues too much. This church is dangerously dysfunctional because you talk in tongues too much. I said, well... Uh, you're certainly welcome to your opinion, and they, whoever they are, is welcome to their opinion. And I can promise you it's going to change. Because we're going to talk in tongues more than we ever have. Now that I know the devil's that bothered by it. He that believeth on me, as the scripture had said, out of his belly, his innermost being. The Greek word there is literally cavity or emptiness. So when that supernatural cavity or emptiness that you were born with is filled by the Spirit of God. If it's truly filled by God, something's going to flow out of you. Notice the focus wasn't on what came in. Because it's assumed that for something to flow out, something has first got to flow in. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Oh, I got a little bit of intellectual mental pride coming back at me here right now. 
God bless you. You just stay married to your old brain and its intellect. And you rest in the pride of that brain. And what was imparted a while ago, you're not going to have a clue about it because it's not going to work for you. Because as long as you're dependent upon the intellectual pride of your brain, God's not going to compete with that. He's not going to wrestle with you to give you revelation. He's not doing it. So you can study and use your intellect all you want to gain knowledge. But it's not worth two cents. I know you think that was strong. That was toned down. I mean it. I should have really let God say it like I was feeling it. For he that speaketh the unknown tongue, his spirit is praying, but his understanding is unfruitful. The Greek word there is the negative of fruitful, or which means to produce something. So my understanding is not producing my words. It's not head language. It's heart language. My spirit gets it. My mind doesn't. What does that leave my mind available for? If I'm flowing in the Holy Ghost, it leaves my mind available to hear because prayer is two-way communication. And any prayer that's not two-way communication hasn't become prayer yet. Flows of the Holy Ghost. One of the absolute most flow important flows of the Holy Ghost is the flow of rest and refreshing. You can put these on the screen if you can do it quick enough, but I'm reading off my notes. Isaiah 28, 11 and 12. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said this. The word this is a relative pronoun, and grammatically it has to refer back to previously stated nouns. And the only previously stated nouns that can be it can possibly refer back to is lips that stammer and tongues that is another. So for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. But then unfortunately it ends this way, yet they would not hear. In other words, We're not willing to receive what he's offering and what he's provided. We're going to keep on doing it our way, wear ourselves out, and get weary because that allows the devil to prevent our revival. Because be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. So unless you're willing to let the Spirit of God give you rest and refreshing, then you're going to get weary, and that is the devil's antidote to revival. You've got to learn to pray it. And you're welcome to join me if you've already heard this and whatever. But Paul came and preached in demonstration of the Spirit and power. And that's exactly what's about to happen. This is rest and refreshing. I pray this probably 50% of my prayer every day. I really do. In fact, this is the tongue I pray 
unless the Spirit specifically prays in some other tongue. Because you go to bed at midnight and you're awake at 4, 4.30. The only way you can live like that is if you're receiving supernatural rest and refreshing. So, if I'm making that up, why are you feeling what you're feeling? Why is that moving in this room right now? If I'm just jabbering words and making that up, you feel it. It's here right now. The Spirit is manifested here right now. Why? He wants you to learn how to receive this. It is never the weary will of God for you to be weary. Never. If you're weary, it's because you refuse to let Him give you rest and refreshing. This is the only flow of tongues that is more focused on what's coming in than what's going out. Because there's not a lot of emotion in it. Because I'm not expending anything. I'm receiving. Because I need this. Virtue goes out in ministry. Virtue goes out in prayer. Virtue goes out in study. Virtue goes out in counseling. Virtue goes out in witnessing. Virtue goes out. I've got the Lord's not going to be a debtor to anybody, but I've got to let him put back the virtue that flows out of me in ministry. So I've got to learn to do this. And I've learned to do this on an airplane and nobody around me knows I'm doing it. I can do this walking through the mall and nobody knows I'm doing it. I can do it riding in the car. I can do it in, in, in my shower. I can do it on my bed. Since it's speaking in tongues, there needs to be enough audible coming out that something's actually being spoken even if nobody can hear it but me. Because it's speaking in tongues. Are you tired? This is the fourth session. Are you tired? We've been here about eight hours or so already today. Are you tired? Instead of saying, oh, I'm tired, I can't do this. Let the Lord put it back. And you'll be more refreshed by the time you get to your room than you than you were when you, you left home. I'm not going to stop this till the Lord's ready to go on. Why? Because we're not practicing. We're doing it. Because some of us need it right now. For those of you that are intercessors, whether warfare or travail, or the other type of intercession, which is actually supplication, and supplication is prayer for yourself or your own needs in God, praying it through you. If you're going to be used of God and you're never going to see the things God wants to do in your church if there's not somebody's praying at warfare intercession and travail intercession and supplication, it has to happen. But for those people, especially pastor, you have got to check and make sure that they are praying 
rest in refreshing tongues. And you can tell that because when your intercessors come and sit like they're out of it, then you know they're interceding, but they're not praying, rest and refreshing. And it's your responsibility. If nothing else happens, get your hand on their head and initiate them speaking in rest and refreshing tongues. Otherwise, they will get so burned out, they will let the devil stop them from being used of God in that which is so critical for the kingdom. He I'm not bragging, I'm giving glory to God. I'm almost 70 years old, and in the last 24 hours, I've had this microphone and we've been ministering about 12 hours. You tell me how I'm doing this naturally. Tell me how that's happening naturally. I'm standing here as an example of what I'm talking about. Do you know what I'm doing while I don't have this mic in my hand? When I get home on the way, when I get up in the morning, that's what I'm doing. I feel good. Right now, I feel good. My feet hurt a little bit. That's enough to remind me that I've been doing this a little bit. But I feel good. I'm not tired. Bad for you. I'm not tired. Why? Because I'm not teaching you something I don't practice. Come on. We need to go a little bit farther. Come on. This may come as a shock to you, but probably half the things God speaks into my spirit, He speaks into my spirit when I'm praying this particular type of tongue. There's so so much rest. My mind, my spirit are so rested, so at peace in God, so refreshed. And in that place as the Spirit is flowing and rest and refreshing, my mind is keen to hear what God is saying. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. The Bible says that uh, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with the tongues. The Spirit gave them utterance. Verse 11 says, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And Acts 10 says, uh, and they of the circumcision which were which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. In Acts nineteen six it says, And when Paul had laid his own hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. This isn't talking about foretelling. It's foretelling. In the spirit. This is what everybody receives when they receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaks in tongues. It is the tongue you start with. I don't think that has to be demonstrated. Why don't you pray it? This is tongue of prayer and praise. 
No, 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 no. There's outflow with this. This is an inflow. This is outflow. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. My, 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 my. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. I wish I could, we could, I could just let you go on with that, but we're, we'll go on here. Okay? All right? There is a separate tongue for the flow of fellowship and communion. This is where you are praying the secrets of your heart. You're actually praying for things. Some that you know, some that you may not know what you're praying for, but it's about things that are in your heart. One thing you got to understand is, frequently with the flow change, there is a tongue change. I never consciously attempt to do any of it. I just let it flow, but I've recognized that with different flows, it sounds like the tongue is different. Okay? I want to make it very clear, this is not supplication, but I have a situation that I've cast on the Lord, and I I want to pray for it. Do you have a situation that you cast on the Lord? Why don't you let Him pray through you for that situation? I know there are times I pray in tongues. I know what I'm praying for. I've gone to the Lord with that. I've cast it on him. He's led me to continue to pray. I let him begin to pray through me. And then he prays the things I don't know how to pray for. (laughs) Be kusi ki e kularata haya. Ramana liti e kularama harota larata bokusi. Robokuta hasaya. Ramaya lorota laratia bakusi. Rambo horama hasa hi e ki e kalarata hai. Robokusaya. Ramai he. Ramai e kasi ki e kalarata hai. Raboko shai, siki e kola rota tamandi ia tamahasa. Ramaye la rota bahaka siki e tahaya. Ramahasa, ranamahasa tatamahaya. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. You feel that difference? You feel that difference? You have something in your mind that's a burden to you. You've cast it on the Lord. And now you're letting him pray through you for that. This is not intercession. It's not supplication. It is him helping you to pray for something in your heart. And you are praying about it in the will of God according to the secrets of your heart.
So when I'm casting my cares, and one thing is particularly sticking in my spirit, I just begin to pray, and I let the Spirit pray for that. What did you pray? I don't know, but I prayed with His faith, not mine, and I'm expecting something to change. First Corinthians 14, 4 says, He that speaks an unknown tongue edifies himself. That doesn't mean it puffs him up. It's the word to build up the house. In fact, that same word is used here in Jude 20. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. How? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Jude 20. That's chapter 1, verse 20 in the computer. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So, I got a situation. I'm trying to believe for it, but there's all kind of stuff beating my brains out about why this can't happen and how how it can't be, and I and and and, and, and I don't know I don't know how to pray for it, and it's got me burdened down, and I don't know what to do about it, and I need more faith for it, and I need I need the Holy Ghost to build up my faith for it. And so you just you say, do you think of all this stuff? Of course not. I just pray. I let the Spirit pray through me. And a lot of times he'll let me know, okay, well, this is happening or I'm doing this or whatever. But even if he does, it doesn't make any difference to me. I'm a conduit. I trust him and I believe in what I'm doing because it's in the Bible, so I let it happen. But he's letting me do this to demonstrate his spirit and power. That your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So that you can sense, so that you can feel the difference and understand the difference. So you can yield to God without fear. Because if you think the devil's going to let you do this without challenging you in my, your mind over what you're doing, then you don't know much about God or the devil. I appreciate the devil attacking something. You know what I've learned? He only attacks stuff that he's threatened by. Thank you very much. He only tries to get me to doubt what could hurt him really bad. Thank you very much. If I was wondering whether or not this was the will of God, you just confirmed it. Because if why would he fight you from doing something that was dangerous, that wasn't dangerous to him. Now that's not going to hurt me, but I don't want you doing that. No. If that's not going to hurt him, he's going to say, come on, don't you want to do that? Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Friend. He's not going to oppose you doing something that is no threat to him. So if he's beating your brains out about something, you go, oh, thank you. Now I know how important it is for you for me not to do that. I don't do stuff to spite the devil. I do stuff to please God as I feel led to do that. But the bottom line is, sometimes, just like with Gideon, 
Lord, if this is really you calling me to lead these, the children of Israel in battle against the Midianites with 185,000 people down there, uh, let this fleece be dry and the ground be wet. That happened. Let this fleece be wet and the ground be dry. That happened. He still didn't believe it. He said, well, then go to, if you're not going to believe what I'm saying, go down and listen to what the enemy's saying. So he goes down and hears the enemy talking about Gideon and how afraid they are of him. He believed that. See, there's Bible for that. If I'm not going to believe what God said, I need to listen to what the enemy's fighting. What is he afraid of? Maybe that'll help me get some faith. I mean, it's kind of impossible for the fleece to be dry, the ground be wet, and the fleece to be wet and the ground be dry. That's kind of impossible for it to happen exactly like he prayed, and he still didn't believe it. (laughs) Once he got the, the direction... The Lord says, oh, by the way, that 32,000 men you got is too much. Now that you got faith, let's see if you got it. Send everybody home that's afraid, 22,000 leaves. That leaves him 10, uh, 10,000. How's your faith doing, Gideon? Oh, by the way, tell them all go down and drink, and everybody that laps by, the, I think that's the one he kept, right? The ones that lap like a dog and everybody else he sent home. 9,700 more go. How's your faith now, Gideon? You wouldn't believe the, the two fleeces. That's where we got the word, obviously. You wouldn't, and you, you finally believe what the enemy said. And now let's see if you really got it. Cause I'm taking your 32,000 and bringing it down to 300 so that you are not tempted to take the credit. Praise God. So there is that one. There are times. If you're, if you're just being battled with thoughts of fear and worry and doubt and you've cast and cast and it doesn't work, then you can, you can pray and the Lord will build up your faith. He will inject or give you a transfusion by the spirit of his faith into your faith. Praise God. I'm moving on. There's the prayer or flow of tongues of thanksgiving and blessing. First Corinthians fourteen sixteen says, Else when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say amen at thy giving of thanks, seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest? For thou verily givest thanks well, but the other is not edified. So obviously, when we have unbelievers present in a normal service, we're not going to do some things so publicly, not because we're ashamed, not because we're embarrassed, but because we do want them to be edified. Okay? But I can praise God, and we already did that, but it's a flow of thanksgiving, of blessing God. It's not the same thing as praise. It's a little different, but you just flow with that, and I'm moving on here. Then there is the flow of tongue of ministry. Ministry. I probably use this one personally just about more than anything else God does through me. Probably. I don't know you. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what you need. How do I pray for you? 
How do I pray? Well, I don't know. Not to ask your personal business. So how do I pray? I make that point of contact. From a biblical perspective, not the TV preacher's perspective. That's what laying on of hands is. Because when I put my hands on his head, whether he knows it or not, I'm feeling what his spirit's feeling. He's he's feeling what my spirit's feeling. So when I begin to let the Holy Ghost flow, what I'm feeling, he's going to feel. And I'm going to feel what he's feeling. That was just a little bit too spooky for some of you. I learned that a long time ago in praying people through the Holy Ghost. Because when I laid my hands on them, I was feeling where they were. And then I just learned to describe what I was feeling to them because that's what they were feeling. And the Lord would help me to work them through the obstacles so that they could finally receive the Holy Ghost. So, our brother and sister here, as you probably understood today, have moved from Texas to D.C. to work with uh, some good folks over there. And he's got a lot of questions, and he's not sure how else is going to fit in. And I don't even know all his questions. I certainly don't know his answers. But somebody does, and I want to pray for him because the Lord's led me to do that. So, in Jesus' name. Itaha sukotie kalarataya. Robuku sikie ka ana namasata bahai. Roboku satahaya. Ramana nana namahase kie kula rotata bahaya. Roboko ratata bahaya. Roboko shasikie kalarataya. Ranana nananamanahaya. Bokura bakasha satatahaya Romol yala romol yala ratahaya Woo Shitaha satatalaratahaya In Jesus name In Jesus name Ilo roboko shatatatabahaya In Jesus name Ilo roboko sikie kaharataha Rabaha sikie kaharataha Ramonie sikie kahaya Haratatatabaha satatatabaha Ie sikie kaharatatatabaha Hallelujah Hallelujah What had just happened? I prayed for him and really his wife too without getting all up in his business. Well, how does that help your faith? I don't need my faith help. I'm trying to help him. And I don't know what to pray for and I don't know what the needs are. And unless he wants to tell me, I don't need to ask. I don't want to know any more about anybody that's necessary to help them. I don't want to know your business. Hallelujah. Praise God. That one is uh, really good. I don't know what that heaviness is all about. But the Lord wants to take care of that. And he wants you to let him. 
In the name of Jesus. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Come on, let that go. Yes, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Ricky, Ricky, come here, finish that, put your hand on her head. Hallelujah. I want you to find somebody in front of and behind you or beside you that you feel to pray for right now. I want you to pray for her. What am I praying for? It's not your business. Hand on her head, hand on her head. In the name of Jesus, I want you to pray for somebody right now. You don't have to know that. You don't have to know them. You don't have to know their name. You don't have to know what's going on in their life. Let the Spirit of the Lord minister through you. We're not practicing. We're ministering. We're not practicing. We're ministering. Yes. Yes. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You don't have to know what their need is. You don't have to know their business. Just let the, the Lord use you. Ramaya, la Ramaya, la Randa Mahasa, Ramahaya, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. 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 Jesus name. In the name of Jesus. Sikiai kahata halaratatatabahaya. In the name of Jesus.
You know why I like that so much? Because the Lord prays, the Lord does the work, and I can't take the glory. I can't even be tempted to take the glory. I don't even know what I prayed for. The Lord does, I don't. So I can't take the credit, and I can't take the glory. I'm just a conduit. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Can we give thanks to the Lord right now? Both for letting us be privileged to be a conduit and for also the things that were prayed for in us. You say, well, I don't know what I was prayed for. Let me tell you something. Over the next few days and weeks as the Lord manifested, He's going to say to your spirit, that's what I prayed for. That's what I ministered to. And you're going to know you received it. Hallelujah. God bless you. You can be seated. We're not done yet. All of those are wonderful and they're awesome, but the real problem is they're not God's power tools. They're the normal way, the regular way, but they're not God's power tools. Without going into a whole lot of detail, and I got a lot of detail I could go into, I just mean there's a lot you can say and cover about this. There's three dimensions of intercession again. There's supplication, which is always about a burden of ours, about us or our family or our specific church. And it's it's a need. It, It sometimes can be about salvation, but it can be about other things. And I'm not going to demonstrate it, but it's it's supplication. It is intercession. For you, your situation. There are two primary types of intercession, actual intercession, warfare and travail. There are people in this room that pray warfare intersection. There's session. There's people in this room that pray travail. The the thing that I have thought I've covered in the past, but I apparently not didn't do very well covering it. You Warfare travail or warfare intercession defeats the adversary. It defeats the gates. Okay, 
You're coming against principalities and power. You're warring. But if you stop with warfare, nobody gets saved. Because there will be no births without travail. There's no births without travail. And they're not the same. And very few people really pray both of those. Very few people do. But they're both very, very important. Praise God. And uh, we're going to do this. I, I, I don't know what to expect. But if you pray fairly regularly, warfare only, not travail. You may pray them both, but right now, this is just for warfare. If you pray fairly regularly, warfare intercession. I want you to come down front because you're going to demonstrate it. Warfare intercession will actually sound like you're angry because in the spirit exercising authority often comes across as anger. But it's not anger, it's war. You are warring. And you can and will feel it. Okay? And uh, when I begin, you can begin with me and we will continue as long as I feel led to do that. We are not putting on a show as we wait here for the next few minutes the Lord will begin to bring a burden to your spirit you may or may not know what that is a burden for it may be that your life or your home or your church is bound and the devil is warring against you and things aren't happening the way they're supposed to happen okay and uh, so we we need to uh, we need to demonstrate that okay we're going to demonstrate this I got no sound on this mic. It really is not healthy for you to sit and watch. You don't have to pray this, but you need to be praying in the spirit. 
it's not healthy for you spiritually to sit and watch. My God. Press. 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 We're not playing. We're not practicing. God is praying. He is working. It is happening. My God. My God, my God, my God, my God, ha. Jesus name, Jesus name. As the spirit begins to lift, I want you to begin to praise God. When the Spirit begins to lift for you, I want you to personally begin to praise God. Do not begin to praise Him until it begins to lift for you. Begin to praise Him. Begin to praise God. Give God the glory. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Praise Him. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. My God, my God, my God, my God. Jesus name. Jesus name. Jesus name. Praise God. The Lord bless you. Go back to your seats, please. Go back. Praying rest and refreshing. Don't stop praying in tongues. Pray rest and refreshing. Don't disturb anybody around you. But you just... uh, There was tremendous energy, virtue that just flowed out of you. You need to pray rest and refreshings. You know what? Now, one of the Bible says, the things of the Spirit of God are foolishness to the natural mind. 
If you fancy yourself an intellectual, what just happened is the stupidest thing you've ever seen. Your loss. Your loss. Because you don't have to have a whole lot of sensitivity to the Spirit to feel what was happening. God bears witness with our spirit if we let Him. God bears witness with our spirit. Now, probably, especially since we've been having call to war and I've been involved with people different places around the world with this, probably we're, we're having 80 to 90% people praying warfare intercession and we're not really seeing the balance of the travail. And hear me. Warfare intercession is preparation so that we can see babies born, spiritual results. And if you war without travailing, there's not going to be results. They're two different things. Travail intercession is the spiritual labor pains. The Bible says as soon as Zion travailed, babes were born. As soon as Zion travailed, babes are born. They're not born because you're preaching good and singing good and your building is nice. Not because you got good plans, good programs, and a very quality church calendar. They're born because somebody is praying the prayers that birthed them. As soon as Zion travailed, babes are born. Praise God. One, two, three, please. There you go. Thank you. I just feel to do this. Sister Downs, I need you to come help me. Because in your mind, you bounce back and forth between warfare and travail. Okay, you're going to hold the mic for me. If you know that you are a travail intercessor, you have prayed travail before. You know that. You know what travail is. You know what it feels like. You know how to yield to it. I want you to come and join in this unified group and travail for birth in your church. You are going to travail and God's going to give babies in your church. And I realize some of you can pray both. I understand that. But I'm primarily looking for those who primarily pray Travail intercession. It doesn't sound like warfare. It sounds and feels like a woman in labor giving birth. This is the ministry that God wants especially to give and focus on for this call to war. He's ready to birth babies. We've got faith for defeating devils, but he's ready to give a harvest. He's ready for babies to be born.
It's, it's totally different than warfare. They're both important. But if we only war in intercession, and we don't travail in intercession, we're not going to see the results God wants to give us. Warfare defeats the adversary. It sets the captive free. But setting the captive free doesn't save them. It only brings them to the place where they can be saved. Come on. Come on. Feel it in the spirit. Let your spirit feel what God's doing here. So you know what it feels like. So you can recognize it when it comes to your church. Let the spirit bear witness with your spirit. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. My God. Boy, there's something deep happening here right now. My, 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 my. We are done for the night. I'll be teaching again starting at 9.30 in the morning. I'm not stopping this. When this, when God's finished with this, he'll stop it. God bless you. You need to go, you're welcome to go. But we're going someplace tonight right here. I wouldn't even dare consider teaching after this. And we're not doing anything else after this. This is what we're doing. Because God is solidifying something within us that we can take home. He's ready for babies to be born. When you're done, you're done. God bless you. But don't stop until you're done. Don't stop until he's done with you. We're praying together. But you're praying for your church. We're praying at the same time. Our spirits, our faith are joined together. The flow and anointing of the Holy Ghost is working together. But we're travailing for our church. Each of us is travailing for our church. My God. My God, my God, my God. Hello, <laughs> My God. I'm not pushing you or pressing for you to continue. But I'm not stopping you either. Come on. This is between you and Jesus. For your church. 
for your church. When he's done, you're done. When he's done with you and your prayer, he's done. As soon as Zion travailed, babes were born. As soon as Zion travailed, babes were born. As soon as Zion travailed, babes were born. My, 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 my. My, 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 Coming out of travail, it's just like coming out of warfare in this sense. You come out giving praise and glory to God. You come out worshiping Him and praising Him. And then when that lifts, then you go and you pray rest of refreshing tongues. And you do that as long as necessary for the virtue to be put back. Do not stop praying and get up and go to your room do not stop praying and get up and go home when the spirit of travail lifts you pray praise and prayer and and, 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 and worship tongues and then when that lifts you pray rest and refreshing tongues and then you can begin to go home as long as you continue to pray rest and refreshing tongues until God puts the virtue back. That praise is also thanksgiving. Even if you're not thanking Him in English or Spanish or whatever your native language is, you are thanking Him in tongues, giving thanks well. Hallelujah. 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 One more word. Babies are rarely ever born with one labor pain. You don't have a labor pain and push. How often do I do this, Brother Wright? I don't know how often there's labor pains come. I don't know how long you'll be in labor. But if you believe this, and you've got a witness in your spirit tonight that the Holy Ghost is wanting you to do this, calling you to do this for your church then there's going to need to be regular labor pains experienced until it's time to push 
Oh, brother, I thought it was going to be done tonight. Ask any lady birthing a baby if she wished it could be done in one labor pain. That's why it's called travail. It's travail. And we travail. And we travail again. Why? Because God doesn't hear us? No, 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 no. No, no, no. Because that's the design he has for birthing babies. You travail. And you travail. And you travail. Some babies are born fairly quickly. Some the labor's long and hard. It just depends on how badly you want to see the babies born. I've said it. Maybe you couldn't hear me, but I'm going to say it again. This is exactly the main thing God wants you to go home with. Whether you're the participant or you're the pastor that just needs to be sensitive to it in your church so you can encourage it. But this is what you've got to go home with. Because if you think God's going to violate his own word and give you results when you're not willing to follow his principles, not happening. Oh, we can pray a few people through now and then enough for us to justify what we're not doing. But if you really want to see revival and you really want to see a major harvest, not going to happen without travail. Not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Because that's God's principle and he's not violating it. Brother Wright, you know, I've been in the church a long time and I've never heard or seen anything like this. That's my point and I'm so sorry for you. Because if you've never seen this before, you've never experienced this before, I'm, that's sad, but I'm so glad you're here. And I'm begging you for your sake not to reject this because I've never seen anything like this before. I've never felt anything like this before. Again, if you want to have a, a biblical discussion, let's go at it because I got the scripture. But no matter how many scriptures I have or you may have, if you're not willing in your spirit to let the spirit bear witness with your spirit and confirm to you this is what he's doing, it won't matter what our discussion ends up proving or disproving. This is the primary thing that God wants you taking home from this meeting. And if you think this is the last time this is happening in this meeting, then you don't get it. That's why I am pleading with you, those of you that have prayed so hard, I'm pleading with you to pray as much rest and refreshing as you can between now and when you go to sleep and when you get up tomorrow. Pray more rest and fresh, refreshing because we're doing this again. We're doing this again. I don't have any idea how many work times, but we're doing this again because this is what God wants to do. This is what's got to happen. And you need to be able to go home as familiar with this, and I don't mean that in a negative sense or a carnal sense, but your spirit needs to experience this enough that it's no longer weird to you that God has borne enough witness with you that you're comfortable doing this. And if you're here and your pastor's not here, you need to communicate with him what's going on. And if he tells you don't do it, then you've got to obey your pastor. Because it would be very unwise of you 
to operate in anything like warfare or travail intercession without the direct covering of your pastor's authority. That's your protection. Is operating under the covering of authority. While you're here, this is operating under the covering of my authority. You go home, it's not going to be the case. So that's why it's so very important if your pastor's not here, that maybe you could get him to watch this or whatever. And if he's not comfortable with it after that, you leave it in God's hands, you don't find fault with him, and you do not practice it without his covering. Because you'll get hurt. He doesn't have to understand it or agree with it all to be your covering. And if he gives you permission, then you do that. But if he does not give you permission, you do not violate the authority that God has given you as a covering. You don't do it. You don't do it. It's just not wise. Praise God. Well, I'll see you in the morning at 930. Those of you that can make it, God bless you.